Check, check.
Good morning, Crossroads, and welcome to Crossroads Stadium. We've got the band behind the stadium today. We thank you for joining us. If you're tuning in online, thanks for tuning in. And for those of you in the building, would you please stand and worship with us this morning? Here we go.
Amen. Can we just thank the worship team up here and behind the curtain over here? Thank you guys. That was awesome. You guys can have a seat. It's good to be with you this morning. Welcome those who are joining us online for the first time and those who are in the building for the first time. Can we thank God for our guests this morning? Come on. We can be excited. Let's do it. Thank you. Hey, guys, listen, there's lots happening. A few things I want to let you know about. August 1st, we have our church picnic, so you can uh, find the lobby table and the, sorry, the table and the foyer as you leave, but make sure you mark your calendars for August 1st for our church picnic, as well as, listen, we had our movie night rained out on Friday, which is a bummer, but we have another one coming up on the 13th of August, Meet the Robinsons. It's a wonderful favorite. It's so old, it's new. Uh, it's a great movie, but we're going to be hanging out on the 13th, so please join us for another drive-in movie night on the 13th. And so, guys, I again, I'm thankful for what God's doing here, and I want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Giving online through the mail, giving through the online or the boxes on the wall. But God has been good to our church, and we're so thankful for His hand on our lives. And so, God, can we thank God for what He's doing in this church? Can we be thankful? I just want to tell you, um, God's been faithful. And so just let's just continue to be faithful as we follow him. So thank you guys for being faithful and giving. Listen, this week was VBS, and it was a phenomenal week. Uh, and so we're going to share all kinds of stuff in just a few minutes. But I want you guys to watch this quick video, and then we have some real special stuff for you. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Good morning. This week I was known as Coach Chrissy. And I was Coach Kim. And we just want to welcome all the families that are here that brought their kids to come up on stage. Uh, they are going to start out with their mega, ver- I'm sorry, not mega verse, mega theme song. You guys ready? I want to hear you nice and loud. 
We are all new creations when we join. We learn about God and soon we start to listen to your call so you can. We're not here to play games. It's about to get real. I am an overcomer. On this word I stand. I get more than a conqueror. It's his plan. We are called the God. He is the ultimate coach. So let's get fired up. Yeah, come on, let's go. Omega. Play games. It's about real life. Like we're pressing on towards the goal. Having all the fun we can. Show our spirit playing sports. Not just sitting on the stands. Now this is where you represent. This is where you pose. Now bust the move and show the world the sport Kanani, Capri, and Bryce to come on up here. 
So every year we do a friendly competition and uh, with our, our mission offering, and we see who can bring in the most money each day, the boys or the girls. And out of all five days, who, who won, Bryce? Um, the boys. The boys won. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Come on here. So that was you. All right. And... Um, all right, and what what was what was the total brought in, Capri? How much money was brought in? There was two thousand three hundred fifty-five dollars and fifty-one cents. Woo! Yeah, they they did awesome. They brought in a lot of money. And what were we what were we gonna do with all the or who's the money going to? Capri, tell us who the money's going to. The Good Shepherd's Fold Orphanage. All right, and where's the orphanage at? The Philippines. The Philippines. Very good. And what are they going to do with all, all the money that we send them, Brace? What are the kids going to get? Yeah, uh, essential bags. Essential bags. And what are some of the stuff that's going to be in the bag? Crayons, pencils, toothbrush, toothpaste, and other essential things. Yeah, all the essential things. All right. Thank you, guys, very much. So all week, the kids were learning about how to have a heart of a champion. So we want to call up a couple kids to help us out, tell everyone what we learned this week. Brooklyn, London, Michaela, Libby, and Audrey, come on up. We're going to get some signs for you. So on day one, we learned that the Asian heart stands for? Heroes. You can do better than that. The H is for? Heroes. All right. Brooklyn? Jesus is my hero because he created me. Awesome. And then day two, we learned about E. The E is for? And what was our mega point, London? Jesus loves and there's even when I make mistakes. That's her little brother, everybody. <laughs> and then on day three, we learned about the A is for? Jesus always sees exactly what I need. That's right. Very good. And then day four, we learned the R is for? And what was our mega point, Lib? Just like Jesus, I am ready to respond. Very good. And then day five, we learned that T is for? All right, Audrey. I can be with Jesus forever. Yes. Awesome job. All right, and then we have we wanted to ask a few of the kids what their favorite thing was to do this week. So I need CJ, Emma, Kylie, and Reese. CJ, what was your favorite thing to do this week? Learn about God. Learn about God. All right. Re- okay, Kylie, what was your favorite thing? The bouncy house. The bouncy houses on Friday. We had bouncy houses here. Okay, Emma. Making up cheers. Making up cheers. Very good. That she was in cheerleading. Reese, what was your favorite thing this week? My favorite, my favorite thing is 
um, helping Grandma clean up the nursery. Oh. <laughs> Reese came with her grandma this week, and she got to help Grandma at the end do some cleaning, and she was a very big helper. Um, and then I need some preschoolers. I need Tobias, Deja, and Rhett. Can you guys stand right up here for me? There we are. Rhett, what was your favorite thing this week, buddy? The bounce house. The bounce house. Tobias, what was your favorite thing? We he practiced that. All right, Deja, what was your favorite thing? Singing. Singing. Okay. And boys and girls, we had our mega verse. You want to help? They're going to hold the mega verse for us. You're going to hold it for us. All right. Let's say it nice and loud, everybody. We're going to say our mega verse. But God Awesome job, boys and girls. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna show them what helped us memorize that verse. They learned a song this week, um, called Romans 5-8. So let's go ahead and do that song, boys and girls. Romans 5-8. But God demonstrates His own love. Love toward us.
All right. We had an awesome week sharing with these kids about Jesus and how they can make him their hero. Did you guys have fun this week? (sighs) How did we end every day? You ready? One, two, three. Mega Sports Camp. All right. Give them a hand. Sports camp. These guys were incredible. I'll tell you, I am so thrilled. 80 volunteers to make this thing a reality. Um, that is just wonderful. Let's thank all those workers, man. A lot of you gave up. A lot of people gave up of their time. Many people took a week's vacation to be here. Uh, they were outside in the heat. They were just working all day. Going outside, playing football in the heat, coming back in and uh, in and out. And, and if you would have heard those kids singing that song there, uh, that, that song that they just sang at the end there, whenever they were singing that in here with no chairs. Like, they came in, we had a wedding last week on Sunday. We never have a wedding on Sunday. We had one on Sunday after church. And then about 4 o'clock, everybody came up here and took all the chairs out of here. They put tape on the floor. And they said, the kids are going to, this is going to work. The kids are going to sit on the floor. I was like, yeah, right. This is going to work, you know? And it did. It worked. 200 kids in here and they're just screaming that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I was like, man, there's something about that when you hear a kid singing that or screaming it, you know, it's kind of cool, you know? It's just like you hear them singing that and over and over and over and they were learning God's word. It was going into their hearts. So we, we are thrilled for what God has done here. God has been so good to us as a church, good to us here at, uh, this week with the Mega Sports Camp. We've been in a series here on Sundays entitled Remarkable. We've been going through the book of Mark. We're studying the claims of Christ and what he said uh, about who he is. And we've been looking at his ministry. And as we're getting ready to go into this week, it just happened to be that the very next chapter actually talks about the heart of a champion. And I'm, I'm thinking, wow, you know what? People say, wow, that's pretty cool. How'd you plan it? I didn't plan it. Uh, we're just going through verse by verse through the book of Mark. And we happen to hit this part where God talks about a heart. And so as we're looking at this heart that God is talking about, I want to remind you, we've got a, a lot of champions in our church. You know, there's uh, the, the people downstairs, they're, I think they're champions, man, every week serving in and out, aren't they? They are absolute champions. All, all those people who came up and served all week. And then, you know, we have teenagers. Tonight our teenagers will be meeting over in the gymnasium, our, uh, our high school ministries. Uh, they'll be over there in, in the gymnasium. They're champions, man. They're going out. They're giving the gospel every day, every weekend and week out. Um, we're building relationships. We're helping people to find a relationship with God. We're going to be launching some life groups in the fall. We're going to be doing all kind of new things, but it's all centered around this heart of a champion. And who the cha- you are the champions. Like, God has given us an incredible team here at the church. But I, I want to just share with you one champion in particular in our church. Um, this, this is Eric McElvenny. You heard me refer to him last week. Um, he is actually going to the Paralympics. So that will be in Tokyo. I saw his wife here. Is Eric here today? Is he up here? 
Is he here? He's probably out training somewhere, right? So, as you know, uh, many of you know the story of Eric McIlvenny. He was uh, he was a Marine in Afghanistan, and he stepped on an IED. His leg got blown off, and uh, he he uh, has a prosthetic leg there. And so he goes and he does triathlons. And so while I'm sitting here thinking about it, complaining about it, he's doing it right. He's got this drive. He's got this heart. So we wanted him to be able to be here and speak at VBS, talking about the heart of a champion, but he couldn't because he had other commitments. And so uh, this morning, I just want to remind you, this guy's got the heart of a champion. And let me tell you how I know he got the heart of a champion, just talking about the Olympics, right? The fact that he made it to the Olympics, that tells you something, right? So they're down there making making the video, and I'm talking to them. I'm saying, you know, this is so wonderful. We're so proud of you. And no, no matter what happens, you know, if you place or you don't place, we're still proud of you. This is your church, and you're one of our heroes. And he goes, yeah, that's nice. Now, don't quote me exactly how I said it, but this was the gist of the conversation. He goes, that's nice, but I'm going for the gold. Okay? So, like, he's not saying, I'm just going to Tokyo to be part of the Olympics and I'm happy. He's saying, I'm going to win. That's the heart of a champion, right? That, let's thank God for a guy like that. He's the heart, he's got a champion. Eric McElvenny, his story is about overcoming. I mean, the guy's had so many problems. You know, you can imagine having your leg blown off and sitting there in the hospital bed wondering if you're going to make it. And yet he overcomes it through the power of God. And you see that what he has comes from down deep inside. You can't manufacture that on the outside. You don't get that by somebody giving you good coaching. Now, no doubt he's had good coaching to to learn how to uh, take his athletic ability to the next level. But to drive the passion that he has for what he does comes from down deep inside. And, and, and that's that's the heart of a champion. So, so we're talking about the heart of a champion in your life. We were talking to our kids this week about how that you can be, have the heart of a champion. How that that heart will, uh, that, that heart will drive your life. And I want to remind you this, that, um, that your heart is the most vital part, organ in your body, right? If you don't have a heartbeat, you don't have life. If you don't have a heart, you don't have life. Uh, when you go to the doctor, they check your vitals, right? They check your heartbeat. They want to see how fast it's beating. They want to see how many times it's beating. Is it beating too fast? Is it not beating enough? Is it, is it in rhythm? And, and they want to know why. Because your heart is so important and so vital. And so when Jesus talks about the heart in this passage, he's, he's telling us something here. And let me show you what he's telling. And we're going to talk about this. He says that the heart is the most valuable part. He's more concerned about your heart than anything else. God is concerned about you spiritually, the inside part, not the outside part. Because what's on the outside um, is different than what is on the inside many times. And I want to just, we're going to look at this passage here in Mark chapter 7 this morning. It's really interesting because here he comes along and, and Jesus has been doing his ministry. We've looked at him teaching, healing, teaching, healing. He's done a lot of teaching, a lot of miracles. And uh, last week, Pastor uh, Chuck Green looked at and, and called us to the attention of the bread, uh, the, the, the feeding of the 5,000 with the bread and the fish, the loaves and the fishes and, and the miracles that he was doing. And so today we see now he has a confrontation. Now, look at this. Uh, Mark chapter seven, the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him when they had come from Jerusalem. And had seen that some of their, some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is unwashed. 
Um, what was happening was that the disciples uh, were doing ministry with Jesus, and here comes a delegation of Pharisees. These were the religious leaders of the day. They were, uh, and the scribes. The scribes were, they were, their job was to keep handwriting the scripture. So they had the original scripture, and remember, they didn't have a printing press, so they would handwrite and they would have to match it up. What happened was these people knew the scripture. They knew the letter of the law because they knew every little inflection, every little point, every little punctuation. They knew it all and they knew how they had to do this. And that's what they would do all day long. These people were the people that came up from Jerusalem about a hundred mile journey to Capernaum. So it's, it's a day and age where there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, no transportation like we have. It's not like just hitch a bus and go. So they, they take this journey a hundred miles over to Capernaum, where Jesus is doing his ministry, and as he goes and he uh, he uh, he's doing Jesus is doing his ministry, these people come up to find the fly in the ointment. They're coming up to see what it is that Jesus has uh, uh, that they could trip him on, and so they couldn't find anything to trip him on. But they they look at his disciples there and they're saying, "Hmm, I noticed that they're eating uh, that they're that they haven't washed their hands," and so. You know, these people, they washed their hands. This was a, a culture where they ate with their hands. And so they obviously washed their hands. They wouldn't be eating. You know, today we've learned the importance of washing your hands, haven't you? You know, the last year, you got to sing happy birthday twice while you, sing, you, know, while you wash your hands, all that fun stuff, right? Uh, washing your hands is important, but not to the degree that the Pharisees were laying on. These religious leaders, they had another level. And Mark leans into this. Remember, Mark is writing to people that that had no base of uh, spirituality, didn't have the base of the, the Old Testament Scriptures. So they didn't understand what was going on within the culture of these Jewish people. And he leans in and he says this, verse 3, For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. Now, what, what this was, was he was referring to the special way. Uh, Sentence translations even used that word, a special way of washing their hands. And what it was, was it was like a, like a surgeon would scrub in. You ever see a surgeon on, you know, on TV, they show how the surgeon scrubs in? They wash, they scrub, and they scrub from the top and almost all the way down to their elbows. And so it was believed that these, the, these Pharisees, they had taken a law that was in the Old Testament, was for the priest to ceremonial cleanse, cleanse their hands. And they said, well, we're going to do better than that. We're going to cleanse not just their hands. We're going to come down the wrist and quite often all the way to the elbow, as many people believe. And they, they would do this. And then they said, well, that's not just good enough for the priest. Everybody should do this. So what they did was the Jewish people would scrub in before they would eat. The religious followers, the people who wanted to show that they were following God, wouldn't just sing happy birthday twice and wash their hands. They're scrubbing up and they've got like water coming down so that they are ceremonial clean. And, and what it was was a, a bunch of tradition. Even Mark says here it was the tradition of the Pharisees, of the elders. Um, you know, at the tradition of the elders, the Mishnah at the end of the second century said this, that tradition is the fence around the law. So what happened was there was an Old Testament law. 
that was to have a ceremonial cleansing. And the tradition put a fence around that law so that we wouldn't get close to breaking that law. And, you know, many people live that way today. They try to live a good moral life. And they say, well, you know what, I'm a good person. I'm going to just try and stay a good person. And, and, and they come up with some rules and regulations of how to be a good person. Well, God was going after something much more than this. You see, the, the tradition of that day, they had multiple laws around the law of God. You had the, the Mishnah uh, that had six divisions. It talked about agriculture, it talked about uh, crime, it talked about ceremonies, festivals, marriage, and civil life. Uh, then they added to that a commentary called the, the Jamara. And, and then uh, they put these two together and they formed what is known as the Talmud. Now, the Talmud together has a, a number of rules. As a matter of fact, it has 248 commandments of thou shall. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. 248. It has 365 Prohib, uh, things that you should, that are prohibited, things that you shall not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. C- could you imagine coming to church and saying, hey, welcome to church. Here's our rule book today. Here's 900 and some rules that you have to follow. You'd say, okay, next church, where am I going to, right? Uh, and that day, the Pharisees were, were, were respected because they were trying to honor God. But as we're going to see that uh, they ended up getting the cart before the horse. They ended up not understanding what God was really all about. Um, and that day, every Jewish person, the average Jewish person, had practiced these things for 200 years before Jesus had arrived on the scene. So when Jesus' disciples aren't doing this big scrubbing before a meal, man, it's standing out. And them religious leaders are about ready to take their attack. They completely lost the original idea of what God was trying to do. Verse 5, the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? And he said to them, so Jesus replies to them, he says, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written. Now, isn't that wild? Here's Jesus. He looks at these people. These are the religious leaders of the day. And he says, listen, Isaiah who 700 years ago, this was 700 years before Jesus is on the scene, gives a prophecy. And he calls these people, before he, gives them, before he quotes the prophet Isaiah, that they have already known, because they know the scripture so well. He quotes them, he looks at them and calls them hypocrites. Now, have you ever been called a hypocrite? I think we've all been called a hypocrite, right? Because we mean to do something and then we don't follow through. Or, or we wanted to do something and we fell short. And, you know, it's one thing when your friend calls you a hypocrite. But when God calls you a hypocrite, that's pretty tough, right? I mean, this is God in the flesh. Jesus looks at these religious leaders and says, you hypocrites. Like, could you just imagine the, 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 the shuddering moment when he says that, you hypocrites. He says, this is what Isaiah said and it's true. The people honor me. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. There it is, the heart. Jesus is going after the heart. Listen, you can come in and you can sing the songs. You can know and quote scriptures. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, your heart is the most vital part of the picture. And he says, the most vital part is far from God. 
but in vain, but in vain, they do worship me. They come and they worship. They, they go through the religious practice. They go through the traditions of worship and they, they are in vain worshiping me, teaching as doctrine the precepts of man. So they would come in and they would teach what man says as doctrine. And, and so they would come along and they would say, you know, all these rules that we've added on to, to, the, to the original rules, those are doctrine. And they weren't. They were not what God said. You know, there are many churches today that will take a, a teaching of man and try to make you think that's what God is all about. God is not about just uh, the, the nice, comfortable things that you want to feel good about. Um, I, I just heard a testimony of a lady who attended this church. A friend of hers was a friend of hers brought him uh, brought her and her husband here. Their marriage was in struggle. It was on the rocks. They filed for divorce. They came in and uh, th- their friend kept telling them about Jesus. And it was like, man, there was no 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 coming together. They 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 didn't want anything to do with God. And they came and they sat down here in the church and they came for a number of months and and then all of a sudden they got a job transfer. God was still working in their life. They went down, and I saw this baptism video. They, they were coming to Christ. They, they had surrendered to Jesus. They were getting baptized. And as an adult, this lady was giving her testimony, and she said this. She said, you know what? I never went to church because I didn't want to hear a pastor just stand up and tell me how to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Because I thought I had all that. And folks, you see, that's the difference. We're not here to tell you how to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. We're here to give you Jesus because he will change everything in your life. And when Jesus comes and he transforms your heart, it's not about the precepts of man. It's not about, you know, listen, I could give you a sermon on how to get out of debt. That's wonderful. That's fun. But listen, God's got much more than that. You can learn some of that anywhere. But God has given us so much of his of who he is. And as we start to open up and find out who he is, it's not about the precepts of man. It's about who he is. And so he says, listen, you guys have a hard problem neglecting. You've neglected the commandment of God. You told you hold to the tradition of men. So so he takes them through and says, listen, your lips um, are, 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 are saying one thing. Your heart is another thing. Jesus says, I'll tell you why my disciples don't wash their hands, uh, why they don't keep your traditions, because they're not God's word. They're not keeping your traditions. They, they, want, they want to see the difference between tradition and truth. You see, folks, there's a big difference between tradition and truth. Everybody has a degree of tradition. Uh, we meet together on Sunday morning. That's a tradition, right? Um, in my family, we have traditions. Uh, every 4th of July, I go to see fireworks, okay? Uh, that's my tradition. If it's raining, I find fireworks somewhere. I'll go somewhere where it's not raining, find fireworks, because that's, that's the Pittsburgh coming out of me, right? We are, Pittsburgh people are fireworks fanatic. And so it's part of me. It's my tradition, right? But that's just something on the outside, that's just something that you do. It's like some of you on Christmas Eve, you have certain traditions that you do every year on Christmas Eve. That's just a tradition. That's outward. Many people in worship go through a tradition of worship. There's a form. There's a style. There's a rhythm of it. But let me explain this to you. Tradition is outward, and yet truth is inward. 
You see, this is why many people are turned off to Christianity, because they look at the tradition of Christianity and not understanding the truth of it. And so I want to take you today to the truth because the truth is inward. Tradition has to do with ritual. It's something that you do and you go through this routine. Um, but truth has to deal with reality. Uh, tradition is something that you keep. Truth is something that keeps you. Today we sang a song, I will build my life. I will build my life upon you. I will build my life. We keep talking about how I can, no matter what, I will, you know, I will never be shaken because I can build my life upon you. And when you come to understand that, God says that you can build your life upon Him. And that's the truth. You see, that's the truth that will keep you. How am I able to do this for years on end? It's because there's the truth of God that is into my heart. And as his truth is into my heart, that is my anchor. That's where I'm able to stay afloat. Because, the, folks, the, the life is stormy. Life comes and goes. There's good times and then there's bad times. And then there's bad times and then there's bad times. And then there's a few good times. But listen, you can anchor your life onto Jesus Christ. You can build your life on him. I, he, he, told, he told his people, he said, your heart is far from me. You know, what he's saying is, listen, you can't think your way to God. Your heart, you have to get your heart. Their heart is where it happens. I like what uh, Jerry Vines, Pastor Jerry Vines said this. He said that Christianity is a rational faith, a reasonable faith. But you do not get into the kingdom head first. You get into the kingdom heart first. And so the, the way that you come to Christ is not through the knowledge, although knowledge is part of it. That's the beginning. There's a, there's a mental ascent. There's a, a matter of time now where I trust, and trust happens in my heart. And so Jesus was coming to him, and he told him, he said, you guys are hypocrites. You're just playing church. Verse 9, he says, he was also saying to them, and he keeps going. He says, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. So you will set God's word aside to keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. Now. This was the law of Moses. You go in the Old Testament, you'll find this, that, you know, honor your parents, honor your father and mother. Jesus says, that's what Moses said. However, you say, but you say, and the next verse says this, but you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corbin. And he gives us this little explanation because not everybody understands that word, not even me. So he tells you right there, the word means this, that it's given to God. And so what would happen, there would be this practice that if you, if you saw something that I needed, I'm sorry, if you saw something that I have that you needed, and you said, hey, you could really help me with that, and I would tell you, no, that's Corbin, that belongs to God. That's dedicated to God, you're not getting it. So imagine your parents are struggling. Your parents are going through a really tough time. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's physically. And they just need something that you have. They request it of you. And you say, no, I'm going to give that to God. Like, like that would be horrible. And so this is what he was saying. He says, listen, this is what you people have done. You have come along and you have made your own traditions. You have taken the word of God and you have meant well, but you have come up with something that's far away from what God wanted. God wanted them to honor their parents. Absolutely. 
But it's like this. You, you ever see a newborn baby and the mom has a little blanket over that newborn baby? Real thin blanket. Have, have you seen that? I just want to give you a little piece of advice. Don't move the blanket if you're not the mom. You know, that mom's got that baby in the car seat and, and you go over and you go to, they're like, you, uh, trust me, it's happened, all right? Don't move that blanket. Now, what would happen if mom not only had one blanket, but she said, I really want to protect my baby, so I'm going to put a second blanket on there. I'm going to put a third and piles up six blankets. What's going to happen to the baby? Baby is going to smother. And this is what happened in the law. They saw what God had said, and these religious leaders were saying, on top of that, on top of that, on top of that, and a thousand rules later, they smothered what God was doing. And so they led the people astray. And so he continues on. Um, if, a, if a man says to his father or his mother, whatever I have that would help you is Corban, that is to say, given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Thus, you invalidate the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down as you do many such things. And so so here they are. They've got a real problem. They, they were observing what man could, would allow, what man wanted to do and avoid what God would require. And so in our lives, you know, today, many people do that. They, they look at religion and they say, um, you know, religion's not for me. Let me tell you, religion isn't for me either. I won't touch religion with a 10-foot pole because it's just a bunch of people adding blankets on top of the baby. I, I want you to see what we've been giving the kids this week. We didn't give the kid any blanket this week. <laughs> that sounds me, doesn't it? <laughs> we didn't give the kid any smothering. We didn't, we didn't teach him any tradition. We gave them truth. Uh, we, we want them to understand how much the God loves them. Because it's not God loves you, but it is God loves you. It's not God loves you if you're good. It's God loves you even when I'm not good. And, 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 and there's so much power that comes from knowing the truth of God. Uh, after he called, verse 14, after he called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him, but the things which proceed out of the man are what defile him. There, he's referring to some of the uh, some of the rules that they had of of eating and things like that. And he said, so it's not it's not what you do on the outside that defiles; it's what's on the inside. And he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So what he said was, hey, if you are uh, if you're listening and you're, this is starting to resonate with you, come back for more. He who has ears to hear, he's saying, listen, I realize not everybody's getting this, but if it is, I'll be here next week. Come on back. I'm going to keep giving you some more. And so so as you do that, I want to challenge you to that. If it's resonating with you, like God's talking about the heart, look what he says here. It continues on. When he had left the crowd and he entered the house, his disciples asked him. They questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, are you so lacking understanding also? Don't you know that whatever goes into a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and it is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying that, and he was saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, now look at this, from within, the things on the outside aren't what defile, it's from within, from the heart. Here we are, back to the heart of a champion. 
Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, fornications, sexual sins, thefts, murders, adulterers, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, that's hatred, slander, pride. Wait, wait a minute. You may not find yourself on the list, but pride, that kind of hits everybody, doesn't it? And foolishness. So out of the heart is where the problem is. And he says that all these things, all these evil things proceed from within and they defile the man. So Jesus was liberating Christianity. He was saying that Christianity is not about a bunch of rules. And, and, and for many people, they think Christianity is just a bunch of rules and a bunch of regulations. May I encourage you that that's the farthest thing from Christianity. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations. There's no thousand rules that we hand out to you whenever you become a follower of Christ. He's concerned. He wants to come after your heart. He wants to perform heart surgery. And here's why. Look at this verse here about the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17. The heart, the, the deceit comes from within. And so the, the problem is not from outside. You know, do you ever hear somebody say, well, my wife made me do it? You know? <laughs> I don't dare say that at my house. You, know? you say my wife made me do that? No, no, no. Your heart made you do that. It wasn't somebody else that made you do anything. It comes from within. Um, the, the next verse from, from the New Living Translation here. Read this here. This is uh, Proverbs 4.23. Would you read this out loud with me? Guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You see, it's the most vital. Life, the heart is vital for life. And so as, as you go through and you guard, he says, to guard your heart. Don't let your heart be swayed by tradition. Don't let your heart be swayed by anything. Let the truth of God come and transform your heart. For that will determine the course of your life. As we worked with the kids this week, I'm thrilled with the outline that they were taught. I'm thrilled with the acrostic, H, the hero. God is my hero. Jesus is my hero. And, and I want to encourage you. You know, I went up to one of the little kids this morning. He came up to me. I think it was little Elliot up here. He came up to me down the hall. We were having a cup of coffee with a couple of the guys. He goes, Pastor Ken. Pulls up his sleeve. Look at my muscle. I was like, wow, that's scary. You know what? That little kid, he believes Jesus is his hero. Like he's out there. Look at my muscle. He believes that God is bigger than him. 53 years old, nothing to show you. I still believe that. Do you? Or do we leave it for the little kid who wants to show you his muscle? You see, I've found a God who's shown me his muscle. I found that he loves you. He loves me. He created me. He's given me a plan. And he wants to do heart surgery. He wants to change your heart. He has changed mine, and he wants to change yours. And here's the thing. You can't change your heart. He's the one who has to do it. He's my hero. E, 
E-N-D-U-R-E-H-E. Endure. His love endures. You know what? Many people will teach you this, that God loves you, but you have to be good. The truth is that God loves you even when you're not good. His love endures when you make mistakes, when you sin, when you fall. Now, we never advise people to sin because that's going to hurt you. But let me tell you this. The truth is that Jesus loves you no matter what, no matter how far you've walked from God, no matter the last time you've talked to him, his love endures to where you are at. A, alert. Jesus always sees me. You know, God is not distant from you. I've talked to many adults that will tell me, you know what, I believe there's a God, but he just doesn't care. Really? Let me tell you what God says. He says he knows the number of hair on your head. Now, for some of us, that's not a big deal. But for most of you, it's huge. Like, God knows how many hair you lost this morning in a shower. Like, that's powerful. Like, God knows everything about you. He, he's an incredible God. And so there's not one need that you have that has gone uh, awry. Not one need that you have that He is not attentive to. R, H-E-A-R, ready to respond like Jesus. You know, Jesus responded to people's needs. And I want to ask you, are you ready to respond to Jesus? You see, the heart can only be changed by Jesus you can't change it. You can't. See, that becomes tradition. That becomes religion. God says, let me change your heart. Surrender to me. And then T is the triumphant. I love that because, listen, Jesus rose from the dead. I would not be standing here had Jesus not risen from the dead. I am convinced by the proofs that Jesus has risen from the dead. And, and I want to encourage you to investigate the proofs of Jesus rising from the dead. He rose from the dead. He was seen on this earth for 40 days after he rose. People were able to touch him. He had meals with people. He had more than 500 eyewitness accounts of, of, of seeing him alive after he was dead for three days. Like, I realize that doesn't happen, folks, but Jesus is triumphant. And so how do you get that heart? How do you get that? How do you get the, 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 the drive like Eric McElvenny? I'm going to go for the gold. Oh, I may not be going to the Olympics, but I want the gold in Finleyville. I want the gold spiritually. I want the gold right here. Uh, what has God called me to? What has God called you to? How about the gold in your family? There's gold that God's given you for your family, folks. Go for the gold. And how do I get it? It comes from the heart. It doesn't come from outside. It doesn't come from self-help. It doesn't come from discovery. It doesn't come from self-exploration. It comes from knowing Jesus. Jesus will give you the heart of a champion. It is Jesus. He's the one that will give you that heart. So I want to take you to this verse here. Ezekiel chapter 20, chapter 36. He says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take you out. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Who's going to give you the heart? God. You don't go get it. You come to God and you surrender. Read it with me. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. 
heart surgery. God says, I'm the one that's going to do it. I want to remind you, there was a picture up in many people's homes throughout, throughout the years. I've seen this picture in many people's homes. It's a picture of Jesus knocking at the door. And, and he's knocking at your heart's door. And, and for years I've seen that and I was like, oh yeah, that's another one of those traditional pictures. And no, no, it doesn't mean much to me. And then one day somebody explained to me, they said, look at the door. Do you see anything different about it? What do you see different about that door? There's no doorknob. The doorknob's on the inside. Jesus isn't going to bulldoze his way into your life. You have to open the door. And I want to invite you to do that today. I want to invite you to open your heart to him and allow him to transform your heart. Allow him to take the stony, the stubborn, the cold, and allow him to transform it. Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love. He didn't just say it. He demonstrated that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Will you open your heart to him? That's how you get the heart of the champion. It starts by surrender. Open the door and let him in. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. I don't want to invite you to religion. Jesus was nothing about religion. If you're turned off by religion, you got it, man. Jesus was turned off by religion. I'm turned off by religion. We're not here anything to do with a religion. We're here to help you find Jesus. That's why we gather. That's why we sing. And my question to you today is, do you have ears to hear? Then let them hear. Like Jesus is putting this out there and he's saying, are you ready for more? Come on back. Come on back. Just start taking a baby step. Will you let him today transform your heart? Because it all starts in the heart. Every action that you've ever done started in the heart. And I want to ask you today to start in the heart. If you would just call upon the name of the Lord. The scripture says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so today, wherever you're at... I want to invite you to trust Jesus. Just call on him and say, dear God, I I need you. And just if that's you, whether you're online or here in the auditorium, would you just pray something like this to God? Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross. He paid for my sin. He was buried and he rose again. God, I trust you. I'm opening that door in my heart right now. And I want to invite you in. Father God, be with those here today that have opened their hearts to trust you to begin that relationship with you. God, for others in this room and online, would you, would you open our hearts, Father, that, uh, for some that have maybe been adding, they've been looking at your rules and they, looking at your word and adding their rules to it. They've been coming up with legalism, they've been coming up with regulations, but they've missed the truth. God, help us to walk away from tradition and find a relationship with the true and living God. We thank you for this great week. Thank you for a week of vacation Bible school. I thank you for the kids' lives that have been transformed. Thank you for all the workers that have given so tirelessly. 
And I thank you, Lord, today for the people in this room and online that have just opened their heart to trust you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. We're so glad that you're here. Let's all stand together and be dismissed. I want to encourage you, if you're able to attend the picnic, hit the table out there and sign up so we can plan for food. God bless you and have a great day. dark room in silence fuel imagination tonight the stars shine bright and spell my name the winter cold chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night sky I'm drifting off in the deep of the valley your presence surrounds me The crickets sing and trees ring And I want to let you know that River water runs, steady flow And it flows free, it in control Your hand leaves its evidence All on this earth As I lay here and ponder on All creation, you made it all empty room, but my thoughts are gone, cause I'm in
No words come to fill the space Cause words They don't do your power much justice It's too great Too great to be bound By little letters we make up And it's funny that we sometimes think We understand the fullness of your glory By calling you this and that But the reality Is that we can't fully comprehend How you can be all of who you are And think of us I'm supposed to do.